0: But you know, when we started, we were like the real uh, cliche of a garage startup. We were two people, then we were five people and we worked in one room. And uh, I was stressed all day long. Like I couldn't go to sleep. I wanted to see that we're meeting our ambitious goals and we used to start working so early and we'd finish in the middle of the night, but we really enjoyed it. So, you know, we, we didn't care. We understood that we're building something great.
1: Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by Jay Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley in partnership with Leumi Tech, sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Opus Labs, Turing, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and in media partnership with c All the way from Zdeboker to drone pilot to now successful startup CEO, meet Uri Grunbaum, CEO and co-founder at TipRanks. Uri is the CEO and co-founder of TipRanks, a fast-growing financial accountability engine that helps millions of users make better financial decisions. In high school, he moved to a boarding school in Zdebokel and then served as a drone pilot in the IDF Air Force. After studying computer science at the Hebrew University, followed by an MBA from Tel Aviv University, he worked as a software engineer at Avaya, Convergent, now Oracle, and ARX, now DocuSign. Uri Greenbaum, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. How are you today? I'm uh, doing great. Thank you. having a great day so thank far. You. Well, uh, amazing. I hope it's going to get just a little bit better. Uh, I don't promise anything, but I hope so. Uh, Uri, thank you very, very much uh, for joining me from the Tip Ranks offices. Is that where you are?
0: Right. Yeah. Here near uh, Rockfield in
1: Tel Aviv. Beautiful. I see the, the the amazing logo right there on the wall behind you. Uh, you know, so we'll talk about tip ranks and the really cool things you're doing over there. But first, I want to know the cool things about Uri and you as an entrepreneur and as a learner, uh, you know, all the way from uh, being in a boarding school and uh, you know, with, with Ben Gurion's legacy. I, I can't imagine, you know, that's not the most traditional, you know entrance to uh, for for high-tech people right now uh, so it's, it's I, right. I love to hear about that experience but also you know as a as a drone pilot and you know you did such cool things along your life i just want to absorb some life lessons from you so so tell me a little bit about your journey what you went through and and how that led you to being to decide that you want to be an entrepreneur and and create a company like Tipranks.
0: sure so it's uh it's an interesting question. And, you know, the journey uh, actually involves a lot of uh, things that I've done before. So I, uh, I was born in Jerusalem. We moved to San Francisco pretty early on. Then I moved to a neighborhood wow. called Sevet, uh, which is near Jerusalem. And, you know, I think that when I was about 11 years old, I found my first job. We had a cake uh, garage in our street and i used to go there and help the people who moved the cakes to their trucks before they actually distributed in the neighborhood and uh so that was basically uh, my first job and um, after that i used to build some cool stuff from Fimo and sell them and you know i used to uh pick uh salvaging. i don't know uh, how you say that in english but we used to sell them as well me and friends. And you know, then uh, we grew up. I started working. I worked at construction. I worked at a bookstore. I worked at an. I worked at an ice cream shop, and uh, I basically gained a lot of experience doing a lot of different things. Uh, when I was in high school, I moved to Care because I had a lot of passion for uh, animals and for country and traveling. And uh, my parents agreed for me to move uh, a few hours from
1: home. You asked to go to a boarding school in the middle of the desert. Uh, from the right. Jerusalem area
0: and you know that was probably one of the most fun parts of my life because anybody who ever visited Sdebuquer can, can probably agree that it's the most beautiful place in Israel uh, now the best thing about Sdebuquer is the people that live that live there uh, they have such high morals and it was so you know it was such an experience to go and meet people that are so different than you know how I grew up and uh You know, I took a lot of things from my experience over there. First of all, living with people, you know, in the same room, but 24-7 and learning how to get along with people that are so different from you and, you know, to become friends of people that you would never otherwise meet. Um, You know, a lot about stable care was about uh, traveling, loving the country. It was like the other side of capitalism. It's kind of a kibbutz in the negative, where the only thing you care about is uh, basically turning the Negev into uh, into a flourishing place. Um, so, you know, when I left Double Care, the last thing that I thought about was high tech. You know, we had a computer school back then, and you know, we connected to the modem, and we learned all that, but it was so far away from me. And I remember that we saw, uh, like, in the early 90s, there was a movie called uh, Sneakers with uh, Robert Redford where they hacked all these places. And, you know, I remember seeing that, and it really blew my mind. Uh, And that was probably the first time that I was really thinking about technology. So, you know, after school, uh, we went to the Army, and uh, I started at the Air Force. Uh, You know, I tried being a pilot, but uh, it didn't go too well for me. And so uh, I was moved to a drone unit. Back then, it was called the UAV, an unmanned air vehicle, and we used to fly them. And that was... Such a fun thing to do. You get to see so many interesting stuff in, uh, you know, in other countries, but also in Israel. And you are involved in uh, unique operations that, you know, I'm still amazed that, you know, people at the age of 18, 19, 20 get so much responsibility and get access to to these, you know, amazing activities. Um, And, you know, that was probably the first time that I had some access to real technology where you have to learn and understand how things work, complicated systems, anywhere from gyros, aerodynamics, and, you know, how you can put inside electricity just to make something work. Um, After that, you know, I traveled a bit, like uh, most of my friends traveled in Asia and then in Central America and um, went to university. And because I did not know what I want to do when I grow up, and you know, uh, you might say that I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Um, I want to study computer, just because I thought that it will help me find jobs pretty easily when I uh, graduate. And in uh, university, I also met my uh, my uh, other co-founder in this company. Uh, we studied together, and you know, th- that's how. I started, that's how I got into the space of high tech. I worked at other companies. I, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to work for a few startups that did an exit. I worked for big corporate American companies. And I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Actually, when we were in university, we took a course in entrepreneurship. And the last year, you get to choose some courses that are not, you know, hardcore software. Um, And so I got to meet a lot of uh, established entrepreneurs that gave us presentation. And it was really motivating. And, you know, I, I think that back then I knew that I want to be an entrepreneur one day. And, you know, since that course in university 20 years ago, it was in me.
1: I, you know, one of the things that I see today, and I'm, you know, I'm really excited to hear your point of view on this, you know, we grew, I grew up in a place where entrepreneurship is sort of your, the second word you, you say, right? When you're born, if you're born into, you know, in, in specific places around the world and you see it around you, you know, in yeah. first grade, I remember that I, I, I had the pleasure of being in Palo Alto in third grade and living there. And I remember that the person who invented the, the PlayStation three came and brought us a, you know, a beta version full of wires to, to for show and tell. It was crazy and I remember as a kid I'm thinking like wow like I get to see this PlayStation 3 before and and this like and entrepreneurship is is the place to be. Now you go to the Yeah, drone pilot. Go study university. You know, entrepreneurship is obviously, you know, a thing of of Israel but it, it doesn't se- it doesn't seem like it's a center point or a focal point for you on your journey. How how do you how do you perceive that? You know, coming into this world a little bit later, but but with a different understanding and different, you know, core and balance, how do how do you perceive that?
0: So, you know, I think that um, one of the most important things that you need in order to succeed, unless, of course, you are a virtuoso or, you know, you're a Mark Zuckerberg and you don't need anything because uh, you're just lucky. Um, But but what I think that the average entrepreneur needs is uh, to get along with people, is to uh, motivate them and to share your dreams and to dream big, of course, and bring everyone with you. It's the ability to convince other people and it's the ability to be grateful because when you're an entrepreneur, usually you have a lot of people that will just help you out during the way. People that work in institutions that want to bring you in, people that know what they're doing and just want to help you because they appreciate what you're doing. And these are things that I've learned in Istanbul care in uh, high school, how to get along with basically anyone because you don't really have any other option. And then, of course, in the army as well, you know, uh, you serve with with many people. You live with them. They're like your family for many years. And in the army, you also get to see so many different people um, that come from so many different cultures and, and all that. So I, I, re- I feel like I really took that with me and I was able to channel that. Uh, to create uh, a network to uh, meet with you know other entrepreneurs and 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 to help sell our product when the time was right and we had a product that we could actually sell
1: and and that brings us to, to tip ranks so where, where are we you're where I'm I'm feeling I feel like I'm in your office but oh, so we're on actually one of we have, so we have amazing
0: offices in uh, in, in uh, here we're now on the first floor but we have two floors Uh, The thing is that most of the employees are now working from home. So, you know, it's usually just me and uh, and a few other people at the office. Um, But yeah, we moved here a few years ago. Beautiful place. We took a Bauhaus building completely and uh, just moved the entire company there. But it's now getting a bit small for us. And soon we will be moving to other offices.
1: Wow. So tell me a little bit about, you know, the founder journey with your co-founder through tip rinks, you come to an understanding that there's this gap in the market, uh, specifically in, in the investment world, uh, whether it comes to, you know, the right. accessibility to information, the insights from that information and making decisions. What, what is the, the essence of tip ranks as it when it comes to, to you know, the, the way that it interacts with people's behavior?
0: So you know, when we started the company nine years ago, uh, the gap that I found was that there was no one to tell you if advice you're getting online was any good. You can't go on any website in Israel or in the U.S. or anywhere in the world without seeing a lot of articles about what different experts are saying. And you know, retail investors such as myself were so responsive to this content because we don't really know the market. You know, it's not our day job, and we trust experts from the big banks to give. Uh, you know, to give a reliable um, insight. So that was missing, and we developed this really cool browser add-on, and, and that was, you know, the vision of the company that we will have something sitting on your browser and wherever you browse, you're gonna get a, a report where you will be able to click on the browser's button and get a report about whoever is writing this story and how accurate it is. is. And the concept was huge, and our first product was also amazing, but it was very difficult to scale or monetize a browser add-on business, and so two years after, we did a complete pivot and we moved from being a browser add-on into a website, and that was uh, that was a very big challenge because when we had a browser add-on, the story uh, was pretty good. I mean, you you, uh, you integrate us one time, and then you can use us whenever you want when you're browsing during your browsing experience, and when we switched into having uh, a destination website, which is what we did in 2014, um, you know, suddenly the narrative wasn't very clear for us because now we expect people to actually come to our website and to, um, and you know, to do research before they're making investment decisions. So we took a very big bet, uh, but it paid off. It paid off big time because it took us Sometime to get to the first users, you know, you're doing a lot of marketing hacks, anywhere from writing comments, social media and stuff like that. And over time, we took it from a few thousands of uh, uh, monthly users to a few hundreds of thousands to uh, monthly users and now to a few millions of monthly users. And the market is so big, so we expect to get to a few tens of millions of
1: monthly users. And as you're seeing this growth, uh, how how do you change? How does your perception of either TipRinks as a company or you as an individual how how does that how does that change?
0: So you know we started almost nine years ago. So I think that everybody would change. Even if I wasn't at tipprinks and I wouldn't have done nothing, I would uh, you know my the things I would look at or my philosophy would have changed over time. But you know when we started we were like the real uh, cliche of a garage startup. We were two people, then we were five people and we worked in one room. And uh, I was stressed all day long. Like I couldn't go to sleep. I wanted to see that we're meeting our ambitious goals. And we used to start working so early and we'd finish in the middle of the night, but we really enjoyed it. So, you know, we we didn't care. We understood that we're building something great. And, you know, now when we we are uh, much bigger and we're profitable and, and, you know, we are we feel very comfortable about our product. We always want to improve it. But I guess that, you know, the things that I'm looking at are very different. When we started, I did everything. I did support. I did QA. I helped coding. Of course, I found investors and I did what a CEO should do. But but I really did everything. And slowly, you're bringing more people and you're delegating your job. And that allows you to uh, spend more time on creating the vision and looking, you know, on the big picture down the line. And so I'm much less uh, stressed than I was a few years ago and uh, I still enjoy uh, what I'm doing, I think at the same level, but it's different challenges. You know, It's one challenge to build a product, it's a second challenge to, to get to a product market fit and then it's a, a different challenge to scale that. And when you're at a point uh, that we are now, the other challenge is what else can we create? We have all these users, we have a strong brand. What complementary products can we create? What other markets can we go into? Um, are there companies that are interesting enough for us to buy that can help us speed things up? And so the challenges are very different. And you know, I feel very lucky to uh, to have you know the privilege to go through all these uh, phases. When we started the company, we thought it would be a two-year thing. We thought we would build a company, and after two years, we will either uh, sell the company or you know at least we would know if it makes sense to dedicate our life to this. Right. But uh, as time flies, you understand how big is uh, what you're building and the impact that you're making. So, you know, there is no urge or any need from anyone, including our investors, to even think about uh, exiting this. And the vision, you know, is just to become the the market leader in uh, research.
1: Uh, I love that. And I have to say, uh, Ori, one of the things that, how how many people are you today at TipRanks in the company?
0: So we are 66 employees and we are recruiting Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, I believe that we will pass 100 employees by the end of this year. Like, every day, we I see new people in the office, and it's just unbelievable. We used to be so small, and, you know, you knew everybody. You knew their the, the, the names of their kids, their wives, their husbands, and, you know, now uh, you just, like, uh, see people uh, walking in the kitchen, and you say hi, and they say hi. Nobody knows who, you know, who the other guy is, and... It's uh, it's funny and nice and uh, you know it's just a, a phase that uh, companies need to go through of accelerated growth not just with the product but also with the team.
1: And and I, I have to say that honestly, or one of the things that I'm you know I really enjoy. I, you sounds so grounded and so balanced and and calm and and honestly I wish that for myself. You know, I wish that when I'll be in a fast-growing company of almost 70 people growing, you know, almost 1.5x in a matter of months, that I'll be as calm and grounded as you are. Uh, and, uh, and, and I, I can think
0: tell you that you will. You will because you don't have any other option. You can't, you can't afford to be stressed anymore. At the beginning, you know, you need to take care of two, three fires every day. So you're, you know, you're running around the fire thinking how can you solve it and if it's going to kill the business or not. But, you know, as you grow, you understand that you need to take care of 50 fires every day. And so it becomes, you know, you get to a place where you can't really stress about everything because you don't even have time. And so you can lay back and you also realize that nothing is really going to kill your business because, you know, it's a stable business and it's just in your head. All the things that always freaked me out and scared me. We're, uh, you know, we're completely like when, when, when you zoom out and when I reflect about the times that I was, you know, completely depressed about things going on. These were probably the best times of the company in terms of the business. Wow. That's where we grew the most and all that. And so I know that, you know, I can probably uh, uh, run around here uh, angry because this didn't happen. That didn't happen. And, you know, we didn't meet this goal and that goal. But, you know, what am I going to get from that?
1: Uri, this was amazing. Thank you. I have a few last questions for you. Are you ready? Yeah,
0: sure. Go all ahead. All right.
1: Favorite subject in school?
0: Hmm. So it kind of changed over time. I remember that. Um, so first of all, I was pretty bad in math and in physics. And I remember that when I uh, joined uh, the Air Force, we had to study that. And it was difficult for me as well. And, you know, after the Army, I had to improve my grades. So I did uh, five units physics and five units math. And I I got, like, very high scores in both. And that's when I realized how much I love physics. And so, you know, in school, I liked with with the gym, with the sports, because I love doing sports. Uh, But, you know, the the subject that I really like and wished I liked it back then so I could enjoy it a bit more is physics.
1: I love it. I love it. One of your role models or somebody that you look up to? So, you know,
0: in our uh, small ecosystem in Israel, there are many people that I look up to. But if I had to choose the one person that I think would be the Leonardo da Vinci of our time, it is obviously Elon Musk. Like, nobody is making a bigger impact than him. He he, he goes into uh, areas that no one touched for hundreds of years and he completely disrupts it. So I can't see how you can, how, how can someone not, Look at, you know, Elon as a, a role model.
1: Wonderful. And three words that you would choose to describe yourself. Or if I would ask anybody, tip ranks, who is Uri? Um,
0: so I'd say that, you know, I'm a, I'm a kind and a good person. Like, I like helping. It's, it's one of the things that I found that make me happy. I am uh, grateful. I, honestly, I think you know if I had to give one tip to entrepreneurs, is be grateful. Thank people that help you during the way because it goes a long way and you have an amazing ROI on the word thank you. And um uh, the third property um I don't know um happy, I guess. I don't know because uh, you know that. we're all happy most of the time. Um, but, but I guess I'll go with that.
1: I can. It definitely comes through uh, this conversation, Uri. Thank you very, very much. Best of luck with TipRinks. pranks. Um, just amazing. I look forward to coming and, and meeting you in person. Hopefully in the new offices and 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 you know seeing the amazing thing you're building. Thank you for the inspiration over these twenty minutes. And uh, stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Michael. It was a pleasure. Take care, and you are of course invited.
1: Thank you.